0: I know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're a idiot. But
1: that's the evidence in the car. But I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always oh, like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. We've had a little bit of time to digest the series finale of Star Trek: Picard, and to say the least we have thoughts did they manage to land the plane when it came to all those nefarious ne'er-do-wells that they had lined up did more characters get thrown over the side when the writers had no idea what to do with them hint hint yes did wharf wind up killing a guy with a trident we go over all the happenings and all the feels from final goodbye to our generation star trek in this episode 132 make it so The card wrap up I am your Uncle Todd and with me, as always, is the man who always has his phasers set to kill, but it's mostly just because he wants to cook steaks with it. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and is no longer welcome to the Daystrom Institute. I give you the man they call Tim.
0: Mr. LaForge, make it so. It is oh, a good man. day
1: to die. Oh, my God. I, is it just me or one of the best lines? Because I rewatched the Picard series finale uh, today. It was great <laughs> when, when Warp was like, for a moment today, I was worried that we might survive. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Like, was I fantastic. like sarcastic Warp. That's a
0: lot of Indeed.
1: fun. Indeed. Uh, but how are you oh. doing, sir?
0: I am well, as I take a Caught sip you're... of the seltzer. Caught I thought you right am... mid-seltzer indeed I, I am I am doing well I'm feeling good it was uh, it was gym night so uh, I, I got a little extra pep in my step a little energy going so uh, yeah I'm, I'm excited uh, although I, I do have to admit I, I had a bit of a a thought when it came to uh, mm. you know li- ladies and gentlemen I, I, I did freak Uncle Todd out uh, you know kind of late last week I said you know hey Maybe we should continue and do another uh, bracket of some kind. And and I, I think I heard yelling and screaming coming from the Eastern seaboard. No, God, no, God, please. No, 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 no. So uh, no more brackets for a while. I think we're going to no. retire the brackets
1: for, for a good, good long while, at least until at next least, March. So. Yeah. I was going to say until next year, because I, I can't do any more are I'm, I got all, I gave all that I had. I left it all on the floor.
0: You did. You did. And, and and the thought I had was, you know, and of course, it's mood at this point, because we've recorded all four, you know, tomes, Uh <laughs> three, three, 12 plus hours total, I believe. I, folks. I think <laughs> it clocked in close to
1: 14. It was epic. <laughs> uh,
0: that, you know, the play in round that, that in and of itself was probably about an hour of, of that of those episodes. Uh, it, it occurred to me we probably could have uh, just speed round rounded those and and i mentioned that to uncle todd tonight and i think he threw something at me
1: so yeah, we, uh, we could have had somebody been you know just had not read the entire wikipedia article it was a every lot of talent single in, in wrestler every accolades sc- to, it could have been to scotty to a in that bracket and you would have still read like about everything from his amateur career all the way up to where he picks his nose now
0: i acknowledge my tribal, my, my tribal chief
1: I love you, my tribal chief. Okay, Shmuley, You're always forgiven. All is forgiven.
0: Although, I mean, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight, but we we should post it. Uh, basically, we're just going to become shills for Paul Heyman at this
1: point. I, I sent a, a YouTube link to- I think we've already to... established that. I mean, we are very firmly in the we are Paul Heyman guys sort of territory. I didn't even think that was sent... even up for debate or dispute.
0: I sent Uncle Todd a, a YouTube clip from from not this past Monday's Raw, but last, uh, the prior Monday's Raw. So, what would that be like? The fifth, 16th? Where are we? 17th? I 18th, don't know. 19th. 19th April 19th. Uh, great exchange between Paul Heyman and the Judgment Day, specifically Finn Balor, when he goes up and asks him what he thought about uh, the uh, whatever job they, they did for the Judgment Day. And Finn Balor's like, eh. And Heyman's like, Eh, I mean, literally, it was him and Finn going eh for like you know twenty seconds, and then at the end of the bit, when he walks off camera, you hear him talking to the tribal chief, and you hear him eh. They told me eh.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> See, the thing is, you're underselling what has been my favorite part of this interaction so far, and I've only seen like v- small, uh, little clips because, again, I, I really, oh. I'm, my motivation to watch the shows is kind of gone at this point. Just knowing yeah. that, that Vince's creepy old man. Letch hands are involved but the the best part of the the all the exchanges i've seen so far has been Rhea Ripley mm. looking like oh, she's yeah. she's ready to beat somebody's ass just at any given mm. moment and then and that exchange mm. there where you know paul is there and she's just like bye paul <laughs> <laughs> just kind of <laughs> shuffles off it's like call roman reigns <laughs> yeah him off I camera love- yeah they said that. Eh. Fa- <laughs> and the fact that no no one's going to pick up that quickly, but it's still, it, it works. It works. Oh, oh yes. boy. All yes, right. Indeed. Well, we are going to talk a lot about Star Trek Picard Season 3 and the series finale. Oh. However, before we oh. get to that, we do have some other news items that we are going to get to. And a little uh, little thing that we like to call The Week in Geek. The Week in is- Geek. So funky. What do you have for us this week, Shmuley? uh Well, Shmuley, uh first up is a little bit no, no, of I'm uh, Shm- news. You're shmooley I'm the tribal chief. I thought we'd already established oh. that. I'm sorry, my tribal chief. <laughs> Thank you. It's all good, shmooley You may proceed.
0: That still slays me. The whole, you know, know who
1: you are. Go get him. I love you, my tribal chief. Yeah. Well, he, <laughs> forgot time. he forgot himself. He forgot himself. He slipped back into Polly dangerously there for a minute and forgot he's you know he's the wise man. I was just going to say that
0: it it's like he just yeah he like drops into Polly dangerously mode and then he goes back to you know hum, humble uh, wise man mode. All right, uh, well we we unfortunately and we'll talk about this in our next episode, but unfortunately we did not get the live action debut of Thrawn in uh, the season finale of The Mandalorian. However. Wah, wah, uh, wah given the attention that is soon to be paid to this character and if rumors are to be believed the uh you know basically the build up to a a potential heir to the empire movie that is you know looking like it will be star wars's version of avengers endgame Mm. uh there has been uh you know from CultureSlate.com, there was some news uh this week about uh timothy zahn talking about uh writing some more books about the uh, grand admiral himself and really with a focus on the time period between uh, what happens at the end of Rebels and his reappearance in Ahsoka, which is kind of interesting because that is an unexplored, you know, area of his story. We we we've you know, as as we reviewed with uh, Jimmy Dice, we we got a bit of the story that led up to. Uh, you know his interactions at Lothal, uh, which is really what the Rebels represents, and we have the original *Heir to the Empire* trilogy, which is really about you know kind of plays in in the time span of of where we are in the Mandalorian, um, you know minus you know the the whole wrap up or, or sorry, the whole tie into rebels was not established when that original trilogy was written. So there's kind of this, this uh, blank slate of, of time that uh, Zahn can, can write some more stories about Thrawn. And so mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of interested about it, you know, by the prospect of that. Um, I've, I need to read the, uh, the ascendancy uh, trilogies. Uh, we, we of course reviewed the Thrawn trilogy um, several episodes back with Jimmy Dice. Mm-hmm. Um, got a little bit more of a peek into the man and into, you know, his, his younger years and his interactions with, with other uh, characters like Anakin and well, Anakin turning bad as Vader. But, uh, but yeah, we, we, you know, we really don't get a sense of, of what he was doing during the galactic civil war. And so I find uh, this, you know, this rumor of uh, Zahn potentially writing about him rather interesting,
1: but what say you, sir, on this one? I mean, it's a given. I mean, Thrawn is his his binky and he's done really well with it. I mean, uh, granted, I'm the books are are a bit uneven and they kind of seem he seems to have a very, uh, a very established formula of of getting like that third book and going, oh, crap, I got to wrap it up. And, and then everything like just <laughs> falls together in like the last 80 pages. But um, yeah, no, I, I think it's a great idea. I mean, it's. It is like the one character, unfortunately, or fortunately, that Star Wars has uh, on the bad guy side of things. that is really, mm. truly intriguing. And, and like I said, he's, he's the one, seemingly the one competent uh, Imperial officer that we've seen. I mean, Moff Gideon eh, probably qualifies. He's definitely more quali- you know qualified than some of the yahoos that we've seen. But, uh, but sure, Indeed. I mean, why not? It, it's, it's fertile ground, especially that yep. time where, you know, he's off with the space whales and stuff. It makes a lot of sense. You'd want to fill in that blank for sure.
0: My, yeah, my, 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 um, I don't want to say it's a concern because they, they have done very well with, with, you know, the introduction of Ahsoka, you know, the way they wove Boba Fett in, but there is a part of me that really hopes, and, and, and I'll go into wrestling jargon here in a moment, but really hopes they book his debut in a way that really, kind of sets the tone of, I don't know if this will make sense when I say it, but the feel of his introduction in Heir to the Empire, you know, where, where you get a very clear example of how this man thinks and how just, uh, you know, strategic and and in tactical that he can be um, in his thinking and the way that he assesses situations so that, the fan base, I mean, clearly the fan base is clamoring for him, and they're going to want to get, you know, the 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 Thrawn they've read in the books. I'm just hoping that visually, in in the you know TV medium, that they're able to translate that, you know, accurately and and with you know the right respect to the character, because that is what makes him so great. And and if they don't do that right, then of course it's going to fall flat, and he's not going to be that great villain but I, mm. I have confidence that they will they will uh, do do him justice and uh and I think it'd be great if we got some more books about him because you know Zahn uh you know as we said not a perfect author but who is but you know really True. really knows this character well and 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 does some great great work and tells some you know very you know interesting stories with him so I'm excited to kind of see where that goes.
1: Yeah. I almost wonder in the Ahsoka series, because I I really did. I almost I felt like there was a better than average chance of us seeing him in the season finale of Mando. Oh, yeah. And now that, you know, spoilers um, now that that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. I now wonder how how many episodes into Ahsoka we we wait until we see him, because if it's going to be almost like a Jaws sort of thing, like the longer it takes. To actually see him, to to actually have him as an active participant, you know, on Mm -hmm. screen instead of kind of just doing stuff behind the scenes and stuff happening because of him. I now wonder if you if you see him before, like episode four. Yeah. If if a lot of that, the first few episodes is really like the setup of the chase. And it's, you know, it isn't until like episode four that you get like that that shot of him on the bridge, you know, I it seemed to me like he was either gonna show up there or now it's gonna be delayed even more. And I I think yeah. that's a good way to to use your analogy to book him, you know, to yep. take your time now. If you're not gonna if you're not gonna throw him out there in Mando, you know, series finale, what's the rush? Right. But but book
0: it in a way that like when you introduce him or when when he really gets out there you know in front and center that you know, he, he gets some big wins under his belt, you know, like he, he needs to be built up as a threat, not as something that, and, and, and like I said, they've, they've, they've done a great job with the Mandalorian stories they've been telling. Um, I, I just hope that they, you know, just, just do him justice so that it, it becomes a, a translation of the character off the page to the screen in as much of a, um, you know uh intentional and kind of respectful way to to what you know what really won everyone over when when you know they first read those books
1: so So you don't want to see him get the darth maul treatment is that what you're trying to tell me basically yeah fair enough i
0: don't want to see i don't want to see him jobbed out in the first match all right i don't want this to be lesnar cena where cena goes over it's like come on bring the beast in and let him be the beast you know what i mean but right on uh, right right on Enough with Thrawn. We go from Star Wars into uh, a <laughs> Into bit someone of... who is associated
1: with Star Wars.
0: Well, that is true. Uh, from, uh, you know, the, the post-Queel trilogy, one uh, Kylo Ren, played by Adam Driver, although Adam Driver uh, apparently is going to be playing... Reed Richards in the upcoming F4 fi- fanta- I almost said final, oh my gosh I was going to say uh, It's the
1: final countdown that,
0: Hey, you know, that was on in the train Station this morning, and let me tell you I, I, I sent Uncle Todd a, a text of Rocky Running up the stairs and, and just getting ready To take on the day, I'm like, I'm feeling pumped I'm feeling alive And he comes back with Well, you're more awake than I am
1: <laughs> Yeah, which is true But then again, you'd also
0: sharing the energy with me. Come on.
1: You'd also had three cups of coffee and a half a dozen deviled eggs at that point. So you were you were right and ready. One cup of coffee and a baker's dozen of the deviled eggs, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Baker's (laughs) dozen. That's (laughs) that is ambition that I don't have. And it also means but, that you're buying uh, an excessive amount of eggs because uh, that's a lot of deviled eggs and it doesn't work out to an even number. So therefore you have you're doing batches, which I I, I like that. You just don't care about yeah, cholesterol. The, the
0: spike in the egg prices is not because of inflation, ladies and gentlemen, it is because I am hoarding. Yes. the
1: The supply. <laughs> The man they call Tim is ordering them by the pallet. He has turned his garage into a walk-in cooler for egg storage purposes. Just, it's just Indeed. eggs and, and like 50-gallon drums of mayonnaise. <laughs> Can't forget the steaks. Nothing, nothing <laughs> do, kind of untoward going on there. Just making a lot of deviled eggs as far Dude, as you know. Man.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you gotta have the the the, the stakes hanging there from the ceiling, a la, la Rocky. Do a little, uh, you know, boxing uh, practice oh, there. In, in, uh, in the and uh, you the, remember
1: in the- that show, the uh, State, when they had Barry and Levon and the and the two hundred and thirty dollars worth of pudding. It almost makes I don't me think, think I about saw that. Me. No, makes me think of you, <laughs> like what two hundred thirty dollars oh, sh- worth of mayonnaise? Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Come uh, no, me with no. the
0: mail. All right. <laughs> Uh, anyways back to Adam Driver. Yes, from Macho Man to Adam Driver. Uh so sir, your your thoughts, I mean this this YouTube clip will include it in the show notes. Uh covers a lot of ground around the Fantastic 4 and their introduction into Marvel uh sorry, into the Marvel universe, um the MCU, but Uh, Adam driver, uh, it's kind of funny. It's, it's, you know, he's plastered all over kind of the, the teaser for, for, for this, you know, this video on YouTube and then you watch it. And I think it's all of like 30 seconds. It's like a mention, you know, it's like, ah, and recently Adam driver was announced as Reed Richards. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um hoping that you know this 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 seems to be the you know, a franchise that just no one can seem to get right. You know what I mean? Like there's been a lot of attempts to tell this story and um and it, you know, there was I mean, I I haven't seen any of them, so I I'm not really I shouldn't really cast a stone. I know you've seen some, but um but it seems like you know not since the early 2000s when they made the first attempt and that one seemed it seemed like it was somewhat successful they tried to do sequels and they didn't really do that that great but um, yeah but here it's you know adam driver's in a lot of good stuff he's you know very good actor um you know did what he could with kylo ren and star wars and uh and and really shines and and you know whatever he's in so i'm kind of curious how uh, how that plays out and and really you know how are they introducing the fantastic four um and and have it you know feel like an mcu you know story and uh and and you know re- really have what has been you know kind of the hallmark of of when you know they do these stories in these movies how they tell them um mm. It but it just seems like if if this you know can they can they crack this nut I guess is the question because th- this has been a hard one to to get right and to do well so but you sir are, are a little bit more into this than than I am what what are your uh, impressions thoughts and uh, feelings
1: well I think you know it is it's a tough one to crack uh, as of now it's still the best Fantastic Four movie is <laughs> not even a Fantastic Four movie it's The Incredibles. Um that was ah, that is yep. still the gold standard for Fantastic 4 movies. Um mm. and we have not managed to hit it live action yet. Which gotcha. is why I thought Brad Bird would have been a great choice to to give to the Fantastic 4. I think he would have I think he actually would have nailed it, you know. Um mm. But yeah, I, I the early 2000s Fantastic 4 movies um the first one was good for what it was, but it's yeah. that was t- that was a time when comic book movies were a very different thing and mm. of course if you hold it up to what marvel movies are now oh my gosh it's totally cheesy and not just because of special effects it's just not the kind of movies that they're making now um and then the more the less said about fant four stick the better the better it was terrible and that's actually being very gentle and nice um so i think that I think that they have a, a better than average chance with this. Although I, I will say, Marvel not exactly batting a thousand like they were before. Mm. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, is seemingly uh, a quiet fart in the night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, let's not get into the whole Jonathan Majors thing. Let's, uh, you know, uh, yeah, oh, recasting gosh. your baddie uh, is is going to be tough, and it seems like a we haven't seen a fall from grace quite like this uh, in our in our time at least, where no. someone went from like yay the town of a generation to you know stuff that people are scraping off their shoe as they're running away from him. Um, but uh, Adam Driver, I think it, I could see that working. I mean, uh, there's a I mean, apparently the, the most interesting thing in this entire thing for me was the fact that apparently he was offered Reed Richards or Dr. Doom. And I totally get why uh, he would go with Reed Richards because he's like a mask and a cape. Yeah, hard pass. Um, I'm, I did that. I'm good. I'm, I'm good with that. Let's do something different. How about I get to be the goody instead of the baddie yeah. this time? Um, I think he could be good. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I've really seen him in enough roles to know how he would handle that yeah you know so i'm up for it it's also going to although it doesn't just hang on him like you really need to get the ensemble here right because they all have to have a certain chemistry for this to work and yeah if that's not right uh, that's going to be real rough so i'll be curious to see who fills out the rest of this group because that will really determine just how good this casting is i think.
0: Yeah, do you think part of the issue with this though is, um, you know, because we we saw a little bit of this in Doctor Strange, but ironically, we didn't, you know, we we really didn't see Reed Richards. He was starting to use his powers, and Wanda did him in, mm-hmm. um, pretty quickly. Is is there something just trans? And I'm I'm using this term a lot, but really about translating this character like from the comics you know, to the screen where it's just like, I mean, there, there's a lot of other fantastical characters we've seen and they seem to work. Yeah. I, I've always gotten the impression though, when it came to the fantastic four Reed Richards being like elastic man in, in kind of a live action setting. Cause like you said, fan, the, the Incredibles did great and mm-hmm. they had, you know, the, the Elastomom or whatever, you know, she, she, she was basically, you know, with, with Reed Richards powers which works in animation but when you try to do it live action is is there so, you know kind of like what happened in in Ant-Man with um
1: oh, I can't think of his name um oh bodo no no yeah. that that's that's There's, that's a that wasn't that wasn't necessarily just the the effects that was also just the writing for that character it, it just sure they, sure they sure. didn't take the character seriously i think i think that it'll translate the problem is it's not just the the elasticity that is Reed Richards' superpower. His superpower is that mm. he's just really fracking smart. Like he is one sure. of the the okay. smartest people on the planet, along with like Shuri, um, you know. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, Ironheart, um, Riri, and mm. Tony. Like right. th- that is his superpower. Is that he is also just wicked smart. Um, And they that has not really translated in the previous iterations because they don't they don't allow him to be smart and not just play it as like, oh, what a nerd sort of thing, you know, and that has to be part of it, because if it's not, then he's then he literally is just a dude who's stretchy and that's it. If you don't allow the intelligence to really become the, the, right. the superpower. Because in the comics, you have, you know, you have the, the Illuminati and all this, but you also have, like, the Council of Kangs, which is kind of what we talked about with all the, the Kangs coming together. There is the Council of Rich of, or, of, of Reeds, where mm. all the Reed Richards from all the different multiverses come together and mm. use, like, just sheer intelligence to solve problems. So, yeah. Yeah. unless you allow that to bloom as part of his superpower set it's always going to come off lame because he's he's half a character so i think they they need to get that but again it also sure comes into who the who the other folks are to play off of that and to be supportive of that not always play it off as a joke
0: right well but but there is something to the visual though too i mean i i i, I mentioned modok because you know, having seen it, you know, materialize in, in Ant-Man, Quantumania, Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, it seems like there are are going to be some characters that are going to be very challenging to get right because I think it's, I think visually it's just hard to materialize them, you know, like, like in live action, you know, I think it's one thing to do it in animation. You have a bit more control over, you know, what it looks like and, and you're not trying to, you know you, you don't have to accommodate for for what it would look like in reality you know with 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 a you know real humans and stuff something mm-hmm. with me and and this is just me i i mean i'm admittedly not deep into fantastic four not not my main you know comic sort of thing that i you know that that i get into i'm aware of it but something about a stretchy person is not that exciting to me you know what i mean and so that like that that's the part i'm just kind of wondering is do they find a way? I don't mean to make it just about that. Cause to your point, yes, he he's if he's like a Tony Stark and if, you know, he's written well, then that will come through. But with Tony Stark, there was something cool about what he he was doing. You know what I mean? And and just his superpower out of the three of them is the one that just hits me the lamest. You know what I mean? Because it's just like what is that? You know? And, and I, I don't know, it's, I don't know why that, that among all the other craziness things that, that happen in AMCU is, is something I'm, I'm, you know, bothered by or, or can't get into. But, um, but I, I just wonder if that's one of the reasons it's just, it's hard to connect with characters like that because they, they may not translate into exciting stuff. I mean, you know, Human Torch, we, we said, we, you know, Captain Marvel, right. I mean, very similar to Captain Marvel, the thing kind of like the Hulk, um, I forget what is his wife's uh. Power? Susan Storm,
1: the uh, the Invisible, or Susan Richards, uh, Invisible Woman. Oh, Invisible Woman. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, so, their their powers. If you took them, if you took them separately, like, oh, this guy catches on fire. That guy's made of rocks. She can turn invisible. Again, it's not gangbusters. It really is about the ensemble and how they how their powers work together and complement each other, and how the personalities complement each other. And and that comes down to writing, which is kind of one of the nerve wracking things about this, because if you look at the last some of the last few Marvel movies, some of the weak points are the writing. I think Quantumania especially suffered from from not necessarily having the greatest script and yeah. the way that they wrote MODOK, because the the thing is like, yeah, the visual. Yeah, it's goofy. But look at him in the comics, even on the written page on a comic book page. That's goofy. Yeah. If you yeah. write it correctly, though, you can you can make that character menacing, even even if it looks goofy, you know. Yeah. So there is that concern. There is. But we, we we're going to have to wait until we get more casting news. I mean, apparently Mila Kunis was one of the ones mentioned for um, for uh, Susan Richards, Susan Storm. And I don't think there's any other, I can't remember what else, because that, that video was great. Like you say, like about 30 seconds on Adam Driver and then just wild speculation <laughs> with like no, no basis in reality, really. Just wild speculation for like yeah. an additional yeah. 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll wait till I see the casting and then it's really going to come down to uh, what the script is. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Uh,
0: and finally for our last item, as we shift from Marvel now, uh, interestingly enough into the DCEU, uh, and, and this is more just, uh, conjecture, uh, just com- commentary by, mm-hmm. you know, straight, straight from the principal's mouth, so to speak, uh, Katie Sackhoff, uh, in a article on sci-fi.com, uh, from a little, uh, just about a month ago, uh, talks about the DC, uh, supervillain that she would most like to uh, bring to life on the screen. Um, apparently I didn't realize this, uh, but she at one point voiced Poison Ivy in Batman, the long Halloween. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in this article, she is quoted as, uh, uh, basically speculating that, you know, she, she would like to do something like this one day uh, in in the DC uh, universe to, to be a supervillain and specifically uh, one poison Ivy. So uh, this is very hypothetical. This does not mean it's happening, but it is just something that she uh, has... Uh, voiced as uh, something she might be interested in. So I don't know if she's uh, sending some feelers out there or, uh, you know, just, just kind of saying, hey, hey, you know, if, uh, if, if if you're looking for a little uh, Bo-Katan as uh, Poison Ivy, she's game. Little Starbuck as mm-hmm. Poison Ivy, she's game. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what say you, Starbuck? You know, I mean, you know me. I am I am <laughs> such a, a Katie Sackoff stan. <laughs> it's not even funny. Um, I am... All for her getting more movie parts. I think she is uh one of the is one of my favorite actors. All that being said, Katie, run. If if someone throws a DC script at you, run. Um until they until they actually seem to pull their head out of their hindquarters and are able to string hell, one movie <laughs> that seems decent mm-hmm. in a row yep run it's it's mm-hmm. absolute mayhem it's gonna be a waste it's gonna be it's just gonna be it's not going anywhere I mean if they back a dump truck full of cash up to your house I mean okay fine far be it from me to stand in stand in the way of a of a paycheck but man yeah. i i if I had any kind of clout and I was being offered those movies I wouldn't do them because it just seems like it is chaos. They have no idea what they're doing, where it's going, how things are going to work, and even though even the movies that that are successful feel like they're successful because there's enough DC fans out there who are just paying and hoping that it's going to be good, not that they're really good. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. I mean, supposedly we're getting the new Penguin series on HBO Max or whatever the hell that's going to be called when they finally rebrand it because yeah you need to do that um and then we're getting the batman part two the flash of course you know the the one-man crime wave is going to be coming out here this year and who who fracking knows with any of this stuff i mean really it's anyways that's my two cents i as much as i I I think as much as i think she would kill kill as as poison ivy i just yeah. I just have a feeling like it's just going to get wasted in a movie that's yeah. not very good.
0: Yeah. Uh, as we've talked about many, many times, DC just needs to kind of go away for a while and just kind of reboot it, you know, after everyone gets the stank of uh,
1: the last 10 years out of their system, so. Yeah. Like, even even the Batman, which I watched, and I'm like, okay, that did not suck. It also yeah. did not need to be three friggin' hours long. <laughs> <laughs> there was three hours, absolutely three different villains. You know, there was no need of that runtime. That mm-hmm. movie did not deserve that runtime. There was not enough to fill yep. that runtime. It was just a slow ass movie that could have that you should have had at least forty five minutes chopped out of it. Yeah, and then okay, yeah, maybe, but still, it's like <sighs> okay, yay, more Batman. Yeah, oh, we're gonna re-explain this. Okay. Anyways, great. There's, I mean, the, the thing is, watching these movies, like, there's no telling whether or not these characters are actually going to be around. So, yeah. Right. Oh, well. Right.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that, my friends, is a neat and tidy and uh, tight 30 minutes week.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for sleuthing about the inter- interwebs or, or for some of those, you know, just kind of going to the dark corners and, and bringing back news. Uh, we are now going to move into. Just a a, a bacchanalian celebration dun. of Picard's season three, which Ugh. I'm sure our listeners, longtime listeners, are going to go say what did, did is is Uncle Todd on some sort of medication that we should know about? No, I'm just happy that this thing didn't crash and burn. Um, but we're going to we're going to talk about the series finale, maybe uh, mm-hmm. the entirety of season three, and uh, and here there and everywhere. So, sir, what what were your um? What are your overall thoughts? Like if you had to, if you just had to give like a quick thumbs up, thumbs down or a star rating, how would you rate this? What are your thoughts? Uh, I would
0: rate this uh, two, two thumbs up, thumbs stacked upon thumbs, uh, f- five, five and a half stars. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm just over the moon with the whole thing. I mean, it, it was yeah. and, and, it, and it was surprising. It was it was surprising because, well, for a number of reasons, you know, and 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 we kind of touched on this over the last couple episodes, but you know, the first two seasons, you know, I think one of the reasons he came, you know, that that Patrick Stewart came back to play this was they were they were trying to explore something different with him, you know, with Picard and take him off the off the ship and and you know, kind of ground him a little bit more and. And and I appreciate the attempt that they did to do that, to, to, to show a different side of him and, and to try something new with a character that we were very much used to being in, you know, kind of one, one role in one mode. But this was, and, and I hate to use the word, you know, this was a nostalgia trip, but I mean, let's be honest, this is what this is what geeked us out about this. It was, it was seeing Mm -hmm. him and Will, uh, you know, him and Will Riker together again. It was seeing the, the whole crew slowly kind of build back up and reconnect. It was of course, I mean, and, and we'll, we'll gush about this in, in, in a moment, but you know, that, that the episode nine reveal of, of the enterprise D um, was just so well done. I mean, it, it, You know, it built up to this. It it feels like seasons one and two were more avant garde, more kind of let's kick the tires doing some different things with this character. And then season three is just like, okay, let's bring focus back in. Let's, let's do the nostalgia thing, but let's tell a really good story. And let's really hit on some notes that go back to the original series or the original TNG series with, you know, the fact that, um, you know, when when Generations came out, one of the big story points on that is how he was the last Picard. There, his his brother and his in that movie, his brother and his uh, and his nephew end up getting killed in a fire, and there are he is the last Picard, and in, in his mm-hmm. family, they they subtly address that with the fact that he and Beverly had a romantic relationship and a, and a son was born out of it. And so now he he does have someone who carries on the Picard name. And so I like how they, and, and that's just one thing there, there were, a, there's probably a litany of others that we can get into, but, but it was just nice the way that they pulled on different threads from TNG, from Deep Space Nine, from Voyager that, you know, they, they, they just drew from this well of these deep stories that we, we all you know, kind of fell in love with as, as, you know, during that period when the franchise was, was riding high and, and, and was telling great, great stories, um, you know, pulling from, you know, the, the, the dominion wars from, uh, deep space nine. And, um, you know, like you and I were really concerned when we saw the trailer because we saw lore and we saw, um, uh, Moriarty and we're like, Oh God, what, what are they going to do? And, Yet those things were brought in in a very tactful and very, um, you, you know, well played, you know, well in uh, basically in, 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 in an intentional way that served the story and didn't overplay its, its you know, welcome. So I overall really enjoyed it. Um, you, you know, just just both my wife and I were just every episode were just like. and and I know you've said this yourself, Uncle Todd, but, but my wife was like, why couldn't it have been this good for the other seasons? (laughs) Which is just like, and, and she's not wrong. I mean, the story was very focused. It was tight. It was really well done, but I just think, you know, it benefited from the fact that, um, and, and, and we'll, we'll get into this kind of toward the end too, but I, I don't, I don't see this leading to anything else. I think this, This is a one-time story they could tell, and they told it to perfection in in my mind. So big thumbs up from me, five-and-a-half stars. Uh, Cody and Roman don't hold a candle to this. What do you say, sir? So what are we talking—five-and-a-half stars out of what? Out of five? Oh, I, I just meant the wrestling scale. Oh, okay.
1: Well, so if, if I, I I'm, I'm
0: trying to say, you know, if, if we do a wrestling match, it's out of five stars, right? So I'm saying it goes yeah. beyond that. But so, sorry, oh, okay. I I didn't I wasn't specific there. Okay, it would be well a 12, I
1: just it would be a twelve out of ten, it would be uh five out of five stars. Perfect. I'm I'm going to say uh seven and a half stars out of five for me because Ooh. I just I love it that much more than you do. Um oh, no, ex- okay. it was excellent. It was excellent and yeah. is yeah. Is to me a great example of give me what I want and I'll forgive all the mm. sins of the little stuff. Because there were yeah. there, there, some of the same faults that were in the previous two seasons of Picard were very present in this show. As I alluded to in the intro, hey, just characters going away because we don't know what the hell to do with them. Yep, mm-hmm. happened here. We, we didn't hear hide nor hair nor mention of, of Picard's Romulan girlfriend. After yeah. after episode after the first like three and a half minutes of episode one, yep, tain't heard a peep out of her. The whole universe is going to come to an end, and you would think he'd be like, ah, I won't get to see my fair, uh, what's her name again? You know, like, like just not even mentioned, not even yep. a thing, yeah. uh, you know, and and of course, you know, some of the other stuff that you know just that I could sit here nitpick on and point out that is, you know, like the fact that we're targeting every major city and I'm using air quotes on the planet earth. And yet they're all on one side of the globe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if anybody, I I mean, listen, no one is ever going to mistake me for having a degree in astrophysics. However, I do know you can't target every single major city on a globe from one side of the globe. Like, I know that much. Yeah, However... their weapons can reach. I don't know. I, I, I'm guessing. But, it, it, but you know, again, like, some of these things that that you could nitpick on were all there. Like, there were still mm. a lot of the same flaws that suffered in the other two. But you know what they did? They gave me what I wanted. They mm. gave me the show that I wanted. Not And not necessarily... Like, oh, I'm a fan and therefore I demand it in this way. It's like, no, you gave me what I wanted because you told me this is what it is. Yeah. And then you gave it to me. You uh-huh. you you delivered on the promise. Whereas season two kind of like promised a lot and then gave me like a smoking turd on a broken plate. And I'm like, this we'll is agree, not what I was promised. It. Um, But it's it, it, again, like they gave me what I want. And so Mm -hmm. I'm happy. I'm very happy because they managed to deliver on what they they promised me. And and in terms of like other seasons, for me, the best way to deal with season three is to pretend that season two never happened. Do you hear me? It it never happened. Fantastic ending with Q. Never happened. And I'll go into why it never happened because. Loved it it's it's sort of like when um when someone came up with the the star Wars machete order where they basically said okay if you if you want to watch Star Wars here's a great way to do it you watch episode four then five then you watch episodes two and three as a flashback before you get to episode six this was before the 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 post wheel came out and that way you kind of catch Luke and then you then you get the, the ending of Empire and then you do the flashback to watch two and three and then it kind of culminates into episode six, leaving out episode one entirely because mm. the reasoning was there was nothing that happened in episode one that you needed because it was all explained in other episodes to me that's that's what see, that's what picard is like you have season 1 which goes along very well with what you were talking about in terms of like getting picard off the ship getting him into different scenarios seeing him in a way that we've never seen him before having mm. an adventure in a totally different way separate from starfleet and all the the trappings of being the captain of the ship and everything seeing what this character is like at this time in his life and 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 how his life has affected him I think season one did a very intre- did a, a very good job of doing that. Like it, it showed us this character in a whole new light. Season two can just be swept under the rug because season three now gave us the reunion of of, of his crew, gives them all a nice send off. And if you just don't have the if you don't have to then get a double dip of the Borg, if you don't get a double dip of Q, mm-hmm. it works out perfectly. If you just pretend it never, because again, nothing happened in that season. They even referenced in season three. Nothing. We don't hear any more about like, hey, remember that time you traveled back in time and you saved that Picard girl that you barely even talked about or talked to, even though she was the focus point of the entire story that you were telling? Yeah, we don't we don't talk about that, you know, so like Bruno, we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about, you know, Alicia Picard or whatever her name was. We don't talk about that. You know, we don't talk about the time that Q died because guess what? All of a sudden, he's back. Why? Because reasons. Uh, fine. Okay, whatever. And, you know, oh, and, and then uh, Allison Pill's character, like, oh, oh screw her. No, she's gone. Uh, you know, and like all these things, like we just if you just don't if it never happened. Season one, and season three work pretty well together. Season two is like this weird. Uh, so, I'll I'll talk about this later. But someone had mentioned how uh, I'm reading a, a book, which I'll mention in uh, later on as my things uh, uh, and another thing. But talking about the Mad Max movies, and someone had made the comment that like Mad Max One and Mad Max Two are fantastic movies. Uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is essentially like a fever dream that George Miller and Mel Gibson remember and that everyone else just wants to pretend never happened. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's Picard season two, like just pretend it never happened. And it works out really well. We have two really good seasons that kind of give you these different stories. And and just, ah ah, so nice. So nice. I think you're a little harsh on season two. I don't think so at all. I I don't. admit it was I, uneven, but I liked the uneven. Story. Oh, okay. Here's 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 the thing. Like no, I no, no, still no, no. don't understand. I don't understand how the same people were involved in the development of season two and season three. They're so wildly different in tone, quality, storytelling, everything. It, it's it's like essentially like if you t- if you <laughs> if you took two groups of people and you had one that they were sipping like the finest of wines in a wood paneled study next to a roaring fire and the other one are out in back of the high school gymnasium doing whippets <laughs> that's Lord. the difference that we're dealing with here and I'll season leave you two. to decide which one is which but here's season the hint two. season two is the whippet <laughs> Season two. No, Patrick, we're not doing Whippets.
0: <laughs> oh, God, that's right. You're at HQ tonight, aren't you?
1: <laughs> Patrick, did I just hear Whipped Cream? God. <laughs> Kill more brain cells than what's necessary. I don't know. Anyways. Oh, my gosh. Well. But no. Uh, I, we don't need to. I, we don't I know need to, we're here to we don't talk to, about season three, yeah. but. But
0: season two, I I I appreciated the story they were telling between Q and Picard, which they took, which disappeared
1: for episodes on end. Mm. The entire that was the thing. Like they had they had these three stories that would just completely everyone in the story forgot about what was happening for episodes on end, like three episodes, no mention of Q, no no talking about that. Then all of a sudden, the Picard girl goes away and. it's 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 a mess and i don't understand i really don't understand how because it was it was michael chabon who is uh who's actually one of my favorite writers one of my favorite novelists mm. was the showrunner for season one and then you get into season two and it's this the same guy who developed season three which i'm like how in the hell did this guy manage to be this bad and this good i don't get it
0: I think they were trying to do a you know season 2 is very much a homage in in many ways to Star Trek 4 right you know throw throw them in in kind of a weird time you know and and you know get yeah, some guffaws, but, get some laughs but use that's Q no excuse as, to... instead of slingshotting around the sun it's cue you know throwing them into you know some past timeline And yeah, there's some misguided stuff with the Borg Q disappears for a while. You're right. I think at the end of the day, he's, you know, they're, they're trying to tell some character stories with Picard, you know, like uh, focusing on his, his childhood and, and some, some guilt that he must've been carrying or something like that. And Q's trying to teach him a lesson, but at the end of the day, it's about mortality about what we all face at the end. And, and what, what resonated with me as much as the other stuff, you know, as you mentioned, you, you know, was maybe below quality is, and, and this is where I see a thread from two into three is and and where Terry, uh, what, what's his name? Terry Matsalis. Is that his name? I don't. Yeah, sure. I think he's just, you know, he's, he's exploring elements of, of Picard and, and mortality. And, you know, the fact that, um, you know, as powerful as Q was, you know, he still had that that desire to not, you know, end his existence alone, and uh, and and you know, clearly valued his 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 you know long time you know relationship with with Jean Luc Picard, and so I thought it was interesting that you know he's spending in in a lot of ways it's kind of about Q spending his last moments trying to give something to Picard that Picard wouldn't give to himself, which was, you know, to take whatever this guilt was that he was carrying with him and, and lift it, you know, and, and live his life and stop, you know, um, you know, kind of uh, I, I forget how he worded it, but, but stop neither blaming himself or, or whatever it was, but it was something pertaining to his, you know, character and, and choices he made in the past. And I think there is a line from that into season three, because in three we're dealing with, again, the theme of family and, you know, him being, you know, him, him missing, you know, this, this time as being a father, the way he kind of threw himself into his work, um, that led to him, you know, kind of creating, you know, this, this other, the surrogate family, which was the TNG crew, bringing them back together, having them, you know, having him you know deal with and close out a a an error in arrogance on his part, as we talked about last episode with the Borg. Um, and and really, you know, again, hitting on these different notes from his life with Roe, you know, bringing back Ro laren and and letting them have a moment in an episode where, or, or giving us that moment that we never got, you know, because, you know, she, she disappeared after she joined the marquee and in, in the last season of, of, of TNG and, and, and allowing them to kind of, I mean, that was a really powerful back and forth that they had, you know, in, in that mm-hmm. episode. And, and, and so I, I think, I think Metalis may have been a little you know i i don't know if it was biting off more than you can chew in season two with with some of the time travel stuff because whenever you get time travel in the mix it, it it gets funky it always does and and unless you have the right story mapped out and clear intentions but i i think it was a misuse of the Borg, but but i i liked the fact that they were trying to tell you know that they were trying to tap into the q relationship tell a story with him bring you know some mortality to him and and allow you know his final moments to be giving Picard a form of a reprieve um, as as he passes on to whatever his next you know phase of existence is. With three, you know, we, like I said, we, we really get into a lot of, you know, Picard and, and, and dealing with, you know, these, you know, kind of ghosts from his past, both in terms of the disease that supposedly, you know, that ended up killing him, uh, and what that turned out to be, as well as, you know, learning he has a son, dealing with, you know, uh, you know, again, past sins from the Borg and, and really just, um, and and really uh, coming to terms with you know some of the the choices he made that he sees his son starting to make and so those are all like very relatable themes that you know that I think they got right and and I think they just told a very focused story because it didn't have to deal with with time travel it didn't have to deal with with all of these kind of elements that are sometimes hard to manage in a story so I recognize too is not perfect I'm just trying to say I think there are some elements in it that were well intended. And I do see, you know, or, or feel that Metalis, you know, I think he has a love of this uh, franchise and, and of this character and these characters. And, and, you know, when it counted, he really hit it out of the park on this season. So those are my thoughts on
1: that. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't we'll doubt that agree he's well, in, I don't doubt that he's well in that he is well intentioned. However, I, I don't watch, a a streaming series or a movie for the the intentions of the the creator i i want to see the final product i don't want to see a rough draft i don't want to see oh well it could have been great it's like well then you probably should have made that tv show and or movie um because i i don't want to spend my time on something that feels like it's half baked and and half baked Mm -hmm. being generous you know what i mean um but we are we are not here to bury season 2 uh deeper than i already have today and also uh, when season 2 came out we're here to talk about series, the third season and specifically the the series finale um mm. and i mean we're already now saying i on, on board like this is terrific um you know like you said the, the rolling out the old gal you know one more time was was amazing way to end see you know episode nine. You know, we start off, you know, the final episode here. Just some great stuff. I mean, you know, you've got of course we get a we get a Walter Koenig um uh cameo, voice only as uh as uh Anton Chekhov, the uh the son of Pavel Chekhov. Yes which uh was nice because that's a little bit of a nod to um uh Anton Yelchin who played yep. uh Checkoff in the the Kelvin timeline JJ verse uh which I thought was kind of nice and also apparently uh I I was connecting this more to President Adar's you know uh, the the colonial broadcast from BSG about you know go to code orange or whatever uh but they were mm-hmm. relating this bit more back to um to episode uh to star trek four when they're basically telling everybody to stay away from earth because of the Mm. the probe is there trying to communicate with the whales captain um but i thought that was a nice that was a nice touch yeah you know and especially even in even in episode nine when they were when they were having like you were hearing like the chaos going on on the other ships i was like wow this is going to a much darker place than star trek usually goes to like you're hearing like basically these crews get annihilated Mm. Uh, and that was kind of crazy um man just uh, overall just a great kind of back and forth between the titan and uh and the the enterprise d um some great stuff there with jerry ryan who i mean oh my gosh it's funny looking at like the the article that you you sent me uh about the the interview with Metalis there i thought it was great but it has like the cast photo from like the premiere or whatever and i'm like Mm. good god jerry ryan is like not really aging at the same pace as other human (laughs) beings it looks like voyager happened like two years ago instead of like 20 years ago like good lord like how does that work man i'm creaky and my hairline is receding as we're recording right now and jerry ryan Mm. just rocking all about like hey how's it going like damn okay yeah. whatever yeah <laughs> but oh my gosh so some great back and forth great back and forth like keeping the action going um you know outsmarting the the youngins uh, who are who are assimilated that was great um i i think probably my one of my favorite moments i'm going to skip ahead a little bit um beyond of course Wharf's line uh where he, yes. you know for a moment i thought there might be a time we might survive Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Troy maneuver. Mm. One of like the most I watched it today and again, I almost had tears in my eyes just to see like, you know, Troy grab the con, knowing where the knowing where the crew is, you know, and like after all those years of like weird ass costumes and like kind of just getting tagged on to some episodes just because, well, she's gotta do something. Mm-hmm. You know, to see her like she grabs the wheel and brings the old gal swooping in to save the day. I was like, yes, yes. Yeah. Like everyone kind of got their moment, you know, like Beverly got yep. to like just bomb the ever loving hell out of the board cube and everyone turns to look at her. Like, um, yep. I've
0: learned that's some, some serious in the last. stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, damn, <laughs> you know, uh, and data gets I'll to have his moment. Link.
0: I'll just send you the link, but someone posted on YouTube uh, something like they they missed a great opportunity to uh, use uh, the Beach Boys with uh, when when data goes and flies them oh, in. the like, oh the Beach boys no no not the beastie Boys. it was the beach boys it was that down down getting around, get around. Oh, yeah, yeah. like like when data's like flying through the board it actually it actually works i oh, totally. <laughs> was like i i well and then you know the beastie boys as well i think would probably be a more modern take on that which would be fantastic and a nod to the the you know later movies that
1: came out but um
0: but yeah yeah that yeah that was yeah, like that was said, one of my favorite it,
1: moments oh my gosh
0: everyone had their moment and, uh, absolutely. And, and they, they, they just did, you know, there, there's definitely chemistry with that cast and everyone just shined and, and they had their moment and they just knew how to, you know, play up, um, you know, the, the moment with them and, uh, and, and really just kind of celebrate, you know, that cast and celebrate the, the, uh, just the legacy of, of what they did in, in TNG. And it's, you know, I, I saw another article that just, uh, or some of the comments and, and, you know, some of the YouTube clips with, with that scene where, when they walk onto the enterprise D bridge and mm. people are like, you know, it it, it it feels like home when they walk in in into that bridge, and and mm-hmm. it really stands in stark contrast to the more, you know, modern you know kind of takes of of the Star Trek you know ships now, where it's all very, you know, cold steel, you know, just you know black black this and and you know there's you know the joke he made about the carpeting, there's no carpeting or anything in in the ships. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just you know, that enterprise for those seven seasons was like a home for them, you know, and it felt like a home for all of us who watched it. You know, there was a comfort watching those shows and watching those stories and seeing them go through what they went through. And so uh, I thought they just captured that theme, you know, or, or just that, that, that feel of it very well. And, uh, you know, especially when, when it got to that point, but, but, but I also, uh, well, I'll, I'll stop there. there there's another point I wanted to bring up, but I didn't know if you had any more on where you were Well,
1: going. I think it's, it's interesting how they they kind of treated the galaxy class as a whole, um, mm-hmm. especially like the, the beginning episodes where I think they had, uh, you know, they had all the little giveaway uh, models for Frontier Day and nobody wanted the fat one or, or the pudgy one or however they put it. <laughs> and Riker was all right, saying, it's right. galaxy class. And but, right, I mean, just the right. idea like this ship is just a behemoth compared to the ships that had come before it and even the ones that came after it. Like that was, that's the outlier in all of the federations, you know, in Starfleet's like ships is that they, they, they decided to make this gargantuan galaxy class ship. And then afterwards realized like, eh, maybe that isn't such a good idea. Smaller might be a little, a little bit smaller might be better. Um, Yeah. Even seeing it like in the ship's museum at the very, at the very end, like how much bigger, That ship is even compared to like Mm -hmm. some of the more modern ships around it and this idea of like yeah the carpeting and the bridge is ginormous and you know well lit it it looks like it looks like uh like an ocean liner more than star trek you know or what we think of as like a starship um and i kind of like how they it is an outlier like it, it is almost like yeah we used to make ships like that, but not for long. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, almost like everybody treats like avocado colored uh, appliances now. Like, yeah, we're, we just want to forget all that happened. But the fact yep. that there is value and that there, there is a nostalgia for this ship, um, you know, I thought it was great. Um, that being said, I don't I, I don't really mind the, you know, the newer ships and all that. Like, I still think it's cool. It's still Star Trek to me. But I, I and I did appreciate how um, at the very open when they do the the Star Trek logo outline, the chevron kind of thing, and um, I, I, I guess I never really noticed this before because I I don't pay attention apparently, but I had noticed that it was the Enterprise D at the beginning of this episode, and ah. all the other it's it's usually the hero ship from whatever series, and so it was the yeah. Titan for their other other episodes but episode 10 they changed it to be the enterprise d because that is the real hero ship of that episode so i thought nice. that was a nice little touch at the end you know to be all well,
0: like, that and i th- didn't the picard title even like it it, it started out normal then it kind of degenerated into you know like whatever the Borg
1: yes, thing yes it got borgified almost like the yeah. like they used to do yeah. with like the matrix it was a glitch sort of thing yeah yeah that was kind of cool, cool.
0: Well, and and that was something else, was which was different from the first two seasons. Is you know those those two seasons had this kind of long, you know, title sequence, you know, mm. with with you know the theme music and that sort of thing. And, and this, you know, much like the season, was just very direct. It was, you know, like you said, it, it was the ship swooshing through, and then it was just Picard, and we're off to the races, you know, and and and, yeah. and away we go, and and there was just no. It, it was just like you know they they trimmed all the fat out almost you know it was just kind of like just hit the ground running and and off we go, and uh yeah,
1: which is again it's it's so baffling to me how because season two and three were developed you know kind of side by side, so the fact that you get these two very different shows mm. is is very. It still just makes me scratch my head. Quite honestly, yeah. I mean, of course, the opening package you can, you can tailor that, and that's you know that could be like the last thing you throw on there before it gets uploaded for streaming. So I mean, that's not it, but it's just everything else too that just feels so weird. And yeah, like these these two things are just don't go together. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I it, again, it is. It's very to the point. Um, you know, well, these episodes moved. There, there was not, you know. Season one was very much a slower pace, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought fit because you're, you're not dealing with the, the hustle and bustle of, of everyday work of a captain on a ship. Like this is a dude who's in retirement and who is kind of being right. almost pulled on this adventure against his will. You yeah. Know? yeah. And that's why I think season two was kind of tough because it never really found a pace. Mm -hmm. you know whereas Mm -hmm. this one is like okay we're back on ships we know what this is we know what this sort of life means for Picard so okay I guess it's going to be this sort of pacing and it kind of straightened itself out
0: well and and, and each episode told a very focused story it was it was and, and this is the point I wanted to get to which is I I really appreciated the way they did kind of the slow build to getting everyone back together like we we don't you know, we, we only see Worf in, you know, starting an episode at the end of like episode two, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we, we see, of course, Beverly and, and Picard, you know, have it out, I think in episode two as well, you know, when they, or no, I think it was episode three, but, but they just kind of take their time and and they give, you know, certain character pairings, you know, space to have their moments together. You know, like, like I thought the Picard, Beverly back and forth, you know, about, why she did what she did and in, in keeping him, you know, from from Jean Luc was was something that had to be dealt with. But they dealt with it, and they didn't, you know, they, they didn't dwell on it, and they didn't over do it over the top. It was just it was done in a very focused manner, and and that's kind of the theme I, I feel for for this season is just is the level of focus that was brought to it, um, because it, it, they they just told really you know really compelling stories, and you know to to your point, when you have good writing and and that kind of focus going. You, you create great television. You create you know great entertainment. Um, you know Vatic was a great enemy. Um, you know dare I say at, at the level of Khan. You know where mm,
1: she no. just
0: has an answer for everything in in the first several episodes for them, and then continues to kind of in in the back half as well. You know I mean she pretty much has has them checkmated until you know jack pulls you know pulls a fast one on her and and they you know basically uh do the old uh you know pre, uh president rosalind on him you know shoot him out the airlock boom um it is know, efficient which, which it, it is it is efficient um i just love the fact that she was just kind of sputtering you know as uh, before they hit the button where she's just like you know i forget what she called him she was like damn so-and-so's or whatever and <laughs> <laughs> then she solids gets fl- wasn't it solids yes yeah that's what it was solids damn solids see where's where's ron simmons when you need him you know just coming yeah back exactly back. damn um but uh but yeah no just just the pacing lieutenant of it was simmons? Just so-
1: that <laughs> well but well but lieutenant simmons
0: that's that's damn um but yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, all if if focus is one theme of this pacing is another. Like it just was paced the right way, you know, and and it never felt like they were trying to do too much or it never felt like one episode never felt like like there was a lot jammed into it. It was you know, it it was a pleasure to watch all these episodes. They were over before like it felt like they were over before they started, you know what I mean? It was just like Mm. It's like really that that was forty five fifty minutes. What, <laughs> you know? It just it just, you know, when when you're caught up in the story like that, you just you know you lose all sense of time and mm-hmm. um and you know and and they brought in some new characters and but they didn't try to slam them down our throats. You know the I'm trying to remember the the captain's name, um,
1: Captain the Titan. Shaw
0: captain shaw i thought he was i mean he took he, he he graded on me a little bit at first but then it's like i kind of like this like super sarcastic you know character and, and I, I forget the exact exchange that, that happened but he i think it's in episode three or four when when they've broken away from uh, vatic ship you know a, after being in that you know nebula or whatever mm. and he walks into this room and he's like well, I let Starfleet know you're here, and they're coming. You know he's all like jovial and stuff. So he's like, "I'm going to leave you two to get your damn story together." <laughs> Walks yeah, out of the room. That <laughs> was fantastic. He was. Oh no, he, he was had that great. Right, that right amount of smarminess, but yet he, it, it's so weird. His character vacillated between being, you know, just irritated with them but like respectful of them you know and it, and it was really it was kind of an interesting dynamic and provided yeah. like the right amount of like friction you know in, in in terms of what was going on in the ship you know between them all and stuff so um so yeah no i i, I just I, I really appreciated the pacing like i said you know great character moments um you, you know imposters which had Row Laren, in it um you know i i'm i'm a big I, i've talked about this before i'm, I'm a big fan of you know, um, those episodes with, with her and TNG as, as, you know, she and Picard kind of developed like a father daughter sort of dynamic. And, and just that, and and we've talked about this before that last episode, I I forget the title of it, but I believe it's in the last season, couple episodes before, um, Mm. the finale where she is sent on a covert mission and this, and, you know, she basically betrays, you know starfleet and and you know really you know picard as well and just that ending where where riker kind of fills him in on what's going on he just kind of walks out of the room like Eesh. boss is pretty upset yeah <laughs> and picard's just like and it's just this dead stare at the end like nothing is said he's just staring with his look on his face like you mother <laughs> yep yep but but they gave him the moment you know and and in in when you're invested in char- you know characters like that, that have that history, and then they get that moment to kind of address, you know, the elephant in the room. It, it really, it, you know, there, there's emotional payoff there, and so I, I just feel like at the end of the day, you know, you know, we've talked at length about all all the seasons, but. I have a feeling this was always going to be in the cards. I think they wanted to do some artsy stuff to begin with and then really kind of end on a very strong note. And uh, I, I mean, I think you used the the term best when I think some of the critics who had seen a preview of it uh, or had previewed the episodes, you know, when they said they stuck the landing, they, they more than stuck the landing. I think they did a couple of oh, loop totally. loops beforehand. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so that was just something I appreciated. is it, like, it, it just was paced. Well, they brought people in at the right time. Um, you know the stuff with data was great. I mean, it wasn't overdone, and and it didn't rehash stuff. It it just it, I mean it it they rode the line between rehashing a little bit, but they they kept away from overdoing it. You know, and 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 mm-hmm. they did it you know kind of at, at the right amount. You know, the stuff with him and lore we've seen a thousand times, but but th- this made sense. You know, data always sacrificing, you know himself or 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 just always kind of being the the, the one to kind of give things up and, you know, he was doing that to basically win, you know, and, and Lord's, you know, Lord's always taking. And so it was just kind of a great way to play off their historical dynamic to kind of give data, you know, give data back and, and, and let him have some moments, um, you know, himself. So, so yeah. So just, just some other little things that I enjoyed with it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, again, the, there, there are those nits to pick like, Mm -hmm. Uh, captain Shaw, I, I did appreciate the fact that we just got uh, a, a very unlikable Starfleet captain, yeah. you yeah. know, whereas, you know, others have been various degrees of unlikable. This guy was just like this guy is a douche mm-hmm. from the jump. Um, And 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 you kind of get it. You, you learn more about the story. You kind of get it. There were some inconsistencies in that character. I again just it whatever serves the story. Kind of happens, but again, I'm I'm willing to overlook that because overall, you're giving me what I what I want. The same as, you know, everything is taking place over the course of like a couple of days, but yet they're traveling all these great distances, mm. and we know that it used to be like, oh yes, it'll take us uh, eight hours to get there, Captain, and now it's like within like ten minutes. You yeah. know to get across yeah. the galaxy apparently now It's like okay, whatever, you know that sort of thing like there's all those little nits that you can pick, yeah, but hey you're you're overall you give me what I want you're you're delivering on your promise so i'm I'm willing to overlook that yeah um and I think that when you talk about the you know I think overall this was a show made by fans, I think yeah. both michael chabon and um and uh what's his dude what's a guy's face there metallus whatever um both obviously huge fans Mm -hmm. and we're, we're kind of almost doing the, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if it's like, if Mm -hmm. you, if you get to write your own fan fiction, but then really somebody's going to make it a TV show. I think that's really what they were doing. And in some ways they were throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, almost like what, you know, what kids do. And they're like, Oh yeah. And then this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And after a while you're like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's such a mess. I guess the fact that we got two out of three seasons that were, I think are are pretty damn good. And one that was really good. Hey, I guess that's not a bad batting average when you look at it in that, in that terms. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Or, or in my math, we got two, two good seasons and, you know, and we don't have to worry about any others. Um, But yeah, no, overall I thought it was, I thought it was great. I think there was interesting how um, there was, there was definitely a lot of homages to Star Trek. There was also a lot of, Referencing parallel borderline ripoffs of other science fiction properties. Um You know, of course, well, I, we have. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was uh, going to say I,
0: I was going to ask if we should go through the list of of BSG nods that we we both oh, picked up on. Oh
1: yes. So I mean, of course, right out the gate, yeah. Uh, you know, the the big one is the outdated unnetworked ship to the rescue. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. Uh, like I said, the the one the, the one to stay away from the the message was to stay away from Earth. Uh, I I kind of took that as like the colonial signal, but that is definitely much more of a Star Trek reference. So we'll let that go. The uh, captain board, Shaw himself was a BSG
0: reference in a way. The captain who was oh, a mechanic. Yup. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. At least they didn't
1: send him to, at least they didn't send the poor bastard down to the engine room to get irradiated to no. death. You know, they no. gave him a, a hero's death in battle. I suppose that's, you know, yes.
0: and then uh, yeah, the he, official verbal passing of the con to seven of nine was, was yes. well done.
1: Well done. And, and he did redeem himself with a very nice moment there at the very end. I thought with Tuvok yeah. was, was nice, yep. you know, the yep. uh, resignation denied, I thought that was great. (laughs) Um, The Borg, I mean, the way that it was kind of presented here start and of course with, you know, the idea of uh, being more human and all that, I'm like, "Eh, we're kind of starting to tread a little into Cylon territory with a skin job Mm. territory here, aren't we? Mm. Aren't Mm. we? Yeah. and and I don't know about you. I just noticed this on my second watch of the series finale. Is it just me or does Jack Crusher have a little bit of that James Callis slash Baltar flair about him? You know? No oh, one the Nice Guys I there's something there. I don't know what it is exactly, but there is something just in kind of the the way that those characters carry themselves that or, or yeah. just kind of talk and toss things off or you know kind of verbally you know mm. thrust and parry sort of thing where i'm like yeah. there's a little bit of ball tar in this guy and i kind of like him you know you know what he's missing though he's missing a the coffee, coffee mugler. yeah of course <laughs> i just knew it i knew it <laughs> missing the <Jeez>. coffee tumbler <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, that's good stuff uh, do you, any do you have any more bsgs
0: uh, so the main ones I had were, yeah, Captain Shaw as the captain who was the mechanic who did something to save the ship, but you know, didn't die in the moment, but then died later. Um, yeah, we, we had the Enterprise D as the last, uh, unnetworked ship. Um, I think the entire concept of the fleet formation was, um, Oh my gosh. You know, way over the i mean if there was ever a moment where things were over the top and i think it was on purpose because they were just trying mm-hmm. to show like the absolute buffoonery that that was you know uh um, what did they call it the frontier day yeah um, where where they had uh i'm trying to think of her name captain that is the, her name
1: that is the biggest shelby like the the biggest um like suspension of disbelief that you can ask is the fact that nowhere in starfleet was there anyone Mm -hmm. with any kind of tactical prowess who was like hey you think this might be a really bad (laughs) idea (laughs) might be a little bit of a security risk you think putting all (laughs) of our ships in one place at one time and then networking them all together to work in synchronicity you think that could be a problem anywhere i mean what kind of a firewall do we – oh, we don't even have a firewall. Yeah. Oh, okay. Did Microsoft yeah. design this whole thing? Like what the hell is going on here?
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that that was kind of interesting. I mean, again, a lot of – I mean, that that I, I give over more to the BSG side of things because cause that was such a core – piece of 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 the pilot was was you know was basically um exploiting you know that sort of networked uh you you know setup that they had um other than that i I don't think there's anything else i mean i liked um you know i like how they did kind of a frankenstein sort of thing with the borg like it wasn't just bringing the borg back to do what they normally do it was this was the last gasp and Mm. and it was interesting that Um, and, and again, I, I, this wasn't a nod to any other show, but I like how they worked in the aromatic or aromatic syndrome that he had Mm -hmm. ended up being basically a Borg virus that was, you know, utilized to basically infest an entire generation of humans and, and, you know, kind of turn them, uh, on, on their own. And so I, I thought they at least tried to do something unique with the Borg that they really hadn't you know, done before and, um, and, and, and done it in a way where, you know, the changelings were, were, were kind of, you know, I, I don't know what the literary term is, but, you know, well, I guess it would be red herring, right? The changelings were, were, were the red herring, you know, because they, they weren't really, um, you know, we, we think for most of the, of the season, they are, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the evil force that's trying to do something with Starfleet. And when in fact it's, you know, they're really in partnership with, with the Borg and, you know, kind of carrying out just, just trying to decimate Starfleet altogether. And so um,
1: they're more, they're more lackeys or foot soldiers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, which is really telling because the first three or four episodes, you know, Vatic and the Shrike are presented as, as this, unstoppable force. And so they, they don't mm-hmm. seem like foot soldiers at first. They seem very, um, in control and very much, you know, um, like I said, I, I mean, almost, I, I guess one throwback would be to star Trek Two, Khan, you know, cause I mean, what do they do? The Titan goes into a nebula, right? She follows them in. And so they, mm-hmm. they kind of have this back and forth sort of thing. And, and, and lest we not forget not ripping off from anything else, but actually, you know, utilizing something that has been used in star Wars and star Trek and probably a litany of other sci-fi movies, but uh, hats off to William Riker, uh, basically using the, the tractor beam to slingshot an asteroid at the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was phenomenal. And I don't think I've seen that used anywhere else before. So that, that was unique and and very interesting. So, uh,
1: yeah, so but yeah I, just, just I, a lot of good stuff. The one thing I will say though, is mm-hmm again a knit a you could pick yeah. okay so the borg are using the the changelings as muscle yeah okay well, yeah. well how are they doing that how do you get mm. like this this like the borg who are on the verge of like death like they're yeah. literally the queen is cannibalizing her own crew yeah. in order to stay alive What's the incentive for the changelings to work with them? Okay, so yeah, we're going to hand we're going to take over Starfleet, oh, Revenge. Okay, great. But what was the end play mm. when, when if they if this plan succeeded because it looks like the Borg would then become all powerful. Mm. And the change, and and it's hard to believe that the changelings don't think that far ahead like, "Oh, so then you're going to have all the power and then what? You're going to stomp us." Well, but that's left I mean, out completely. Now, but again, a- I
0: I don't Vada need to gave know her all background. That. You know, that it gave her background of of being tortured, right? So I mean, well, I think- know and
1: I get I get why they want revenge, but then right. if if like okay, so we're going to help you do this and you're going to do this and you're going to take over Starfleet. We're going to make them pay. Mm-hmm. Either they know the plan or they don't know all the plan and and that should have at least been kind of talked through in some sort of way because either the Changeling's are morons who think that the Borg are going to be nice to them after they've taken over everything or the Borg were like yeah we're the plan was oh no we're going to share and then no 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 we're going to stomp them mm. that should have at least been mentioned and probably could have been mentioned if you'd cut out a couple of the speeches that were you know happening that seemed to be happening like the time is a waste in here folks and mm. yet we're going to have like this these moments like i don't know there's not a lot of you know you probably could have cut one of them out and been like oh yeah by the way the changes we're gonna they're done you know something like that well again I, a knit, but, but a knit, i can mean, pick not... but i don't need to because i right. i'm they're giving me what i want so again it's it's that the stuff you're giving me is so good that i don't even though i've now picked that knit eh, I, i've forgotten it already well I, I mean just to play devil's advocate
0: to it though right i mean it's not the first time like one you know, race has used another race to their advantage, right? I mean, it's not, not, No, you know, so I mean, I, and, and the one that's being used has their own, you know, kind of, you know, reasons and goals that they think they're achieving and it ends up being short-sighted in the long run because, you know, they end up, you know, like, like you said, to, to your point, well, what's going to happen when, when they do take over everything, Right. Probably yeah. there were, you know, if I had to guess, the Borg would turn on 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 the Changelings and eliminate them at that point. Yeah. Right. I mean.
1: Yeah. But so. I, what I'm saying is, I it's not that I'm saying that it it's it's messed up or anything. It's mm. just it wasn't ever divulged or explained ah. in the in the context of the story. Like it was just like, oh, and yeah. then things happen because they happen. Yeah. It's like okay, but eh. but again, I'm I'm willing to overlook all that because I'm like, this is like. You know, literally like I'm I'm like a junkie, like, all right, put it right in there. Just let me mainline the TNG. Ah. <laughs> you know, like I, I am that there for this, you know? One, so again, I'll let that go.
0: What yeah. one knit I will pick. Oh uh, yes, please. Heal it, this, up. Uh, Heal it up. Last last episode. Uh I I am uh quite disappointed deducting a, a star or or half a star on this mm-hmm. that we did not get the uh much anticipated uh shot of Picard
1: in the Ready Room asking for TL Gray Hot. Yeah. Just saying. That's, I'm more bummed out that we didn't that I'm more bummed out that we that they wasted a Wesley Crusher cameo in season ah. two instead of season three.
0: I did although I did read an article, uh Will Wheaton was asked about this and he explained that um and I don't know if this was established in the Traveler episode. It may have been that the Traveler, when 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 uh, Wesley agreed or decided to become part of the Travelers and and you know basically take that on, mm-hmm. um, they have to forfeit all of the connections they had in their prior life so they they can't go be, because of the emotional part of it and the fact that it could disrupt reality and because he was asked like you know why why weren't you a part of season three why didn't you make an appearance or help or something like that and and he reminded the the interviewer that it was established in the traveler episode that they have to disconnect like they, they can't insert themselves into their past life because there's a threat of disrupting reality because of the emotional connection to those people. So he said that, that's, that's the reason why he, he wasn't, why he was in two, but not three, because two, he just interacted with Soji who he had no past with at all and was really in many ways recruiting her in the same way that the original traveler that we saw recruited him. Um, so, which makes sense. I mean, it's consistency at least, you know, so,
1: yeah. um, but I mean, so by the same tone of consistency, then, you know, we shouldn't have the board queen still alive. Uh, cause wasn't she like the dead and then living on in, uh, in what's her face, uh, the doctor lady, Alison pill in season two. And then we shouldn't have gotten Q at the end of this cause he did.
0: Well, and so if we're going to talk consistency, uh... no, because it's a different timeline. So, but, but that's that's the problem. That's the problem with season two is okay. So to your point, yes, it's hard to talk consistency when you, when you introduce time travel and these forking timelines, right?
1: Well, okay. I'll I'll go with you on, I'll go with you on the, on the timeline for the Borg Q. He dead. They came back to the timeline and he dead. And now yes. he not dead. And that was explained
0: as time is not linear for Q. So maybe we see Q before he dies.
1: Oh, come on. No, no, no. Yep. You know He exists in a
0: different different way than us humans do. Yes, suspect. <laughs> it's too full with... That's I'll take $75.25 out of your pocket, but you're suspect. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Anyways. All right. But, Anything? Uh, oh, oh, actually, I just have one last thing to touch on real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have seen, and, and you've probably seen as well, articles about, oh, will they do another, I, you know, even though it was a series finale, oh, will they do another one because of how well this was, you know, this one went? Uh, My answer is absolutely not.
1: Um, let now us you're not talking, ruin something. You're talking Picard? Picard. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, that totally. They are,
0: there was talk of because of how good the season was, would they consider doing something else with the Jean-Luc character and and the crew? And my answer is absolutely not. This was so good because this, like I said, this was a bit of nostalgia. This was a way to bring the band back together in a way that was meaningful and emotional. And, uh, and, you know, we didn't touch on this in in the article that we'll put in the show notes, but, um, you know, Terry Mazzalis, you know, uh, he was asked a question in in this, it's a variety.com article, but he was asked about the final shot of them playing poker. And, you know, he, you know, he said what he wanted to do was to leave the, you know, this group of people, without any, you know, unanswered questions or or um you know, he I, I forget the I don't know if it was a Nemesis, I think was the last movie, but but the movie where yeah. where Data sacrifices himself, you know, so yeah. so they're incomplete,
1: I guess is the word I was looking for. He he
0: wanted, yeah, he wanted to give them a
1: proper sound send off. A
0: proper send off, a proper goodbye. And, uh, when they filmed that poker, you know, shot at the end where they were playing very similar to, to the finale of TNG with all good things where, where they're kind of doing the top down shot. Um, I thought it was really cool. Like that, that was just them being them, just, just playing, playing cards and just laughing it up and just having fun. And, and so I thought it was really cool, you know, like, like a really cool way to end the series, um, with a nod to the, to the original finale. Um, with with everyone you know kind of complete and everyone you know in kind of a great place and uh, and so y- you can't go back to that just just let it be just let it be this this one season that was really well done that gave us these great moments that we as fans wanted and were um, were you know hoping for. And just let it be, you know, like it just because it's great doesn't mean you got to go and go back to the well again. You know what I mean? Um, Because Mm -hmm. you'll do it until it's not great. And then everyone's just kind of like, oh, that sucked, you know, so. um, Or until you get season two.
1: What's that? Or until you get season two, which we won't Uh, talk about. All right, agree to disagree. Um, but that that final yeah. shot was great, and of course, getting like you know, in my opinion, the the best of all Star uh, Star Trek themes, yes, the Next Generation yes. theme, which was was used in at least one movie, one of the original cast movies. Um, but to me, is like the the gold standard for Star mm-hmm. Trek theme music, and. And they and they went like like the extended remix of that song. Like that just kept going yeah. and going and going. It's like anyone who had anything vaguely to do with the show got mentioned in the credits because it is like let these it's like Marvel length credits at the end of Picard's series finale. Everybody gets in. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> I, I could have watched that for another 10 minutes. I just kept yes. on watching. I'm like, this is awesome. And apparently yeah. they shot that for like a long time. So this is definitely more. You know, we we need to. They asked for the Zemo cut of for the for him dancing. Now we need like the the card <laughs> cut for all forty five. You know, three hours worth of the cast just playing poker. You know that that's what we need. to re- be released on YouTube like tomorrow. Uh, that's no, that was fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's and, about uh, all I got. I mean,
0: I don't think there's anything uh, anything more in the chamber to fire.
1: Well, for me, there was one thing I did notice on the, on the second watch today, uh, when they're when they're leaving the Enterprise D bridge, and and actually one one more thing, the the rechristening of the Titan as the Enterprise G, I thought was mm. was a nice little, a well, nice little nod because I'm like, are they really? Are, are you know. Are, how's this going to work, you know, sort of thing. And, and, and of course we have another enterprise. So that of course, you know, Jack Crusher is going to that one, but when they're leaving the enterprise D at the museum at the end and they're going, you know, going through the whole shutdown procedure and Geordi says, you know, well, you know, she's always taking care of us.
0: Mm. The second
1: time through, it took me back to the very first episode of next generation Mm -hmm. when DeForest Kelly guest starred as, uh, as bones one more time. And we got uh dr mccoy on the enterprise d walking with yep. data and as they're as they're walking away from the camera gives me tingles just thinking about this because it was great mm-hmm. it was just a great delivery on the line and he he's you know saying something about you know well she's got the right name and as yeah. he's walking along and deforest kelly says you know you treat her like a lady and she'll always bring you home yeah and i just thought that was so lovely i haven't i have i'm hoping that they they kind of tied those two things together but it in it instantly tied together in my brain because i remember watching that sh- i remember watching the season you know the, the premiere of next yeah. generation and i was watching it with my dad and, and i'm watching i'm like is that and my dad's like yep yeah <laughs> because at first you you're like yeah. oh my gosh it's mccoy um yeah see so, yeah, i loved how that just kind of all brings it even even more full circle like the the poker shot brings you full circle to the season finale of of tng and that brought you almost right back to the beginning it's like oh uh chef's kiss chef's Indeed. kiss. agreed agreed yes and of course uh, oh and uh of course we, so. we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, got a little star wars in there too with you know a data, you know, trust me, Geordie, I can do it, you know, and essentially <laughs> flying, you know, using the force, if you will, to fly yes. in through the Borg cube, much like, you know, Luke the in the trench his gut. The trench run, and then, of course, uh, Lando piloting the Falcon into the Death Star in uh, episode six. So that was kind of a nice touch, too. Yeah, we won't talk about Lando flying in episode nine, though. Well, no, we don't. I mean, he did take <laughs> off the, he did take off that radar dish. Point <laughs> like whoops, <laughs> Oopsie. No.
0: But yep, all around good stuff, my friend.
1: Yes, I yes. sit back and say,
0: indeed. what a wonderful series and uh, or you know great series, great season finale or season three and
1: uh, great way to end it. Yes, indeed. It was a it was a fantastic send off for the crew. Indeed. <laughs> And another thing. All right. Well, what have you got for and another thing this week, sir? Uh,
0: my and another thing. Uh, you know, continuing to get caught up on some past uh, you know, WWE biographies on A and E. Well, this time it's the show WWE Rivals, uh, hosted by Freddie Prince Jr. and Mm. usually surrounded with a a panel of uh of a who's who of of the wrestling world, uh, JBL is always there. Uh, this one is, it was Kevin Owens. Um, uh, actually, Renee Paquette, who used to be uh, an announcer um, for WWE, she's now in AEW, uh, which I mm-hmm. found interesting that they would have her as part of that. Um, so that was that, that was an, a nice thing. And then uh, uh, Devon Dudley was also part of it. Oh, uh, nice! But this episode, th- yeah, this episode, I and and before I say the title of it, I just want to say this: if you are a fan of wrestling. If you're someone who is an aspiring wrestler, if you are just interested in what you know, why would anyone be drawn into wrestling? Watch this episode: Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret the Hitman Hart. Yes, the way the show was put together does such a phenomenal job of showing a litany of things that make wrestling, you know, just wonderful to watch. And uh, from from the buildup of the Stone Cold character to the slow you know, percolation build of the Austin Bret Hart feud to the, 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 you know, their match at survivor series. And then just the, the absolute harassment that Austin puts Hart through that actually starts to turn Hart heel and him Babyface mm. um, was just, I, I mean, the way they just tell, they show this and, and this show is always good, but for some reason I, I was watching it today and I'm just like, it, you know, it was bringing back, you know, bringing back all the feels from when when that Austin character, you know, just just, you know, the rocket, sh- you know, the rocket was strapped to his back and took off. Right. I mean, just incredible stuff and just reminded me of why he resonated the way he did and why he became this just absolutely just incredible, you know, top draw and, and you know, still, you know, resonates with fans even today. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that feud. um is, is a demonstration of how you make a character. And, and Austin says it best, you know, he, he says it best, but also, you know, Bret Hart, you know, his, you know, he, he wanted, he wanted to work with Austin, but he saw the writing on the wall. He saw what was going on with him and, and wanted to make him. And, you know, as Austin says, there's no Stone Cold without Bret Hart. You know, Bret Hart is, is, he is the linchpin that turns Stone Cold Steve Austin into, the main event draw that, that he becomes, um, through this feud and, and especially the WrestleMania 13 match, which just had that, that just amazing ending where, you know, he, he's trying to power out of the sharpshooter and the blood is flowing down his face on his teeth. I mean, it's, it's just such a iconic mm. shot and, and yeah. So anyways, check it out. WWE rivals, uh, stone cold, Steve Austin, Brett, the Hitman Hart. heart. It is it, it is just such a, such a 101 lesson on on what makes wrestling great, how they build characters, how they build feuds, how you make a character and into into a top star. It is it is uh, definitely must see viewing for the wrestling fan.
1: Yeah, and then follow that up with a uh, Hitman on Stone Cold sessions or Stone mm. Broken Skull sessions, just for Stone Cold to be like, "I was a little snug there, a little snug." <laughs> <laughs> like 20 some odd actually, years later he apologizes
0: the one nit i have with the show though is that you know when they're showing the brawling uh that's going on in the wrestlemania 13 match um they don't show this but i think they showed it in uh on, on the stone cold sessions or the broken skull sessions which is um when they're brawling in the crowd there's one part where um austin has the upper hand and he turns around and there's a soda vendor right there and he takes a, a, a cup of Coke, takes a sip out of it and then bashes bread over the head with it. And it is just the funniest <laughs> damn thing in the middle of that brawl for him to do something like that. Yep. It's just like, it, 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 I mean, that is just classic stone cold is just, yeah, I'm going to pause for a minute, you know, t- take a sip and then bang him over the head with it. And uh, it, you know, they, they talked about the Royal rumble when, you know, when he's eliminating people left and right and he's sitting on the turnbuckle and he just like stares at his wrist like he's like when's someone coming out <laughs> you know, yeah it was just oh my gosh just so many just so many great great iconic moments with that character and uh and yeah this this show just does a great great job of of highlighting why that feud was so great and why it made him into into the big star that he was so
1: very nice what do you have sir well from uh one over the top classic uh to another over the top mm. classic uh i'm gonna recommend a book i've just started working on but i'm i'm just all in on it it's called blood sweat and chrome the wild and true story of mad max fury road by kyle buchanan and what's great about this is it reads like an oral history there's there's parts in there of commentary kind of setting up each chapter and then it breaks down into um just kind of quotes from the different people involved, like the, you know, George Miller, the people who were helping him with production, uh, you know, people who worked with the studio, all of the different participants throughout what was like a decade and a half, you know, a couple decades of trying to get this Mad Max movie made. And just kind of an insane story for what is also an insane movie. Um, I I think one of the quotes that they were talking about in the very beginning just they had other directors. Uh, I think the mm-hmm. guy who directed it and wrote parasite, you know, highly acclaimed movie basically was like, it, it just terrifies me even thinking about having to make that movie. Uh, Steven Soderbergh was like, I don't understand how they're still not shooting that movie today and how hundreds of people didn't die while making it, you know, yeah. like, the, and these are people who make movies and they're just like, this is nuts. Um, and is one of i think one of the the great action movies of all time it is so insanely streamlined mm-hmm. and then when you you read about how the how the movie was developed and how there's there really hasn't been any other movie that's been made like this mm-hmm. the entire movie was storyboarded there wasn't a script like the oh, movie was written through storyboards and was laid out that way and the story was always 100 it was was like mostly visual Mm. and that's how you would get through the entire story insane insane um but it's really it's interesting to hear from the the people involved and also to kind of acknowledge like the insanity of the fact that it's like yeah the same guy who was the producer on babe and who directed babe pig in the city and happy feet (laughs) also made all the mad max (laughs) movies like wow w t f how is that even possible that those things come out of the same mind mind Um, blown it's crazy but yeah it's it's so far it's been a real fun read i've been plowing through this one um just because it's so interesting and it reads really quickly and like i said it's nice to have all these different perspectives kind of coming and going throughout the book so i highly recommend that um i've it's been out for a while. It never made its way to my uh, my public library, so I was able to pick this one up uh, a week or two ago. Found it at a, at a bookstore, so I highly recommend checking it out wherever you can find it. Uh, Blood Sweating Chrome. Very nice. Very nice. It is. And you know what? Now it's time for us to shuffle off into another galaxy far, far away or for us to boldly go where, well, Actually, everyone has gone before. Um, that's home. So, well, no, you, time the man they call Tim is home. I'm, I'm broadcasting from the office, and uh, it start It always gets worse smelling the later it gets, which makes me nervous. Um, But right now, uh, thank you all for tuning in, for listening. We do so appreciate you listening and the downloads. If you have not yet become part of the Free Range EDC congregation and subscribed, what the hell is wrong with you? All you have to do is go to freerangeedc.com. You can find all of our episodes there. You can download them one by one or just batch the whole sucker right together and listen to them all right from the beginning. Uh, Actually, probably skip to like episode four. Uh, the first three are rough. Anyways, uh, you can subscribe right through the Podbean app there if you've decided. I have quite enough apps in my life. Uh, search for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Alexa, whole bunch of others that i can't remember right now you'll definitely find us free range idiocy no one else is claiming to be us if you want to follow us on the social medias we do certainly appreciate that as well because we just love to watch those numbers go up we're on facebook we are on uh, instagram we are also on youtube where you can get full episodes on youtube so find us on all three of those at free range idiocy if you have any questions thoughts concerns uh, offers of outright bribery, uh, general griping and kvetching in general. Send those to Tim at freerangeadc.com and he'll get back to you post haste forth with PDQ. Uh, and if, uh, you know, if that ain't enough, too bad, because I'm shuffling out of here and I'm going to hand this over to the less idiotic of the two idiots on this show. Uh, but not before I ask the second most important question ever uttered by Human Lips. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second being the hell did we learn this episode?
0: Uh, we have learned that uh, we have been following,
1: I suppose. Uh, We've besides of Tom. course, besides the fact that season two of Picard never happened. We've learned Uncle Todd's a little bit frosty, a little bit
0: lathered up about that season two, which we fully acknowledge is in existence. Season two and part has of our reality.
1: never <laughs> happened never oh boy i don't there know folks are four lights <laughs> and no season 2 there were five lights the card said so anyways there uh, are four uh, lights <laughs> <laughs> i just remember like that episode oh. and the spittle just like oh, flying yeah. everywhere oh it was great oh yeah
0: yeah especially at the very end when when he knows he's leaving he's like no way! I'm not. I'm not following at this point. But then, when he talks to, uh, when he's talking to uh, Troy, I actually saw five months. <laughs> <laughs> which, which that made that made that episode very powerful because he, you end up finding out he did break. He just didn't let him know that he broke. So. Mm. But anyways, enough about that. We have learned, uh, we may have some more Thrawn uh, stories coming our way, which uh, I am and Uncle Todd will be up for. And, uh, of course, we'll have our local Thrawn uh, expert, Jimmy Dice, on on retake.
1: Uh, on oh, retake. Yes. That's spooky. <laughs> no, let's not do that again. That is creepy. <laughs> Ugh, I need a shower oh, now.
0: We also have learned... Uh, that uh you know when you have some focused storytelling with some good pacing and respect respect to the legacy of the thing you are actually producing uh you can create some great art some great entertainment and that is what picard season three is we are all in we are highly recommending it if you have not seen it uh, if if uh, as much as I acknowledge seasons one and two, if you just want to jump to season three and watch just as a TNG fan, you will not be disappointed. You may be a little confused by Raffaella, but that's OK because Worf, uh, you know, teaches her the ways. And, and well, again, uh, she
1: you just you miss out on the awkwardness of season two where it's like the most annoying person in the universe. Well, the, see, he acknowledges season two. It does exist later. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying in theory, if there were a season two where these <laughs> things happened, <laughs> you'd be very confused. As I said, season two never happened.
0: We have learned that season two is apparently going to be a topic of debate for the man they call Tim and Uncle Todd moving forward here. But there
1: are four nights
0: and finally, we have also learned that apparently uh, the man they call Tim maybe needs to prototype and trial out some of these bracket approaches uh, you know beforehand and not just you know kind of come up with a much more efficient way of doing things well after the 14 hours <laughs> were of the rest of yeah. brackets. We will
1: and yeah, that might be nice.
0: We will, if nothing else, learn, refine, and improve. Well, that being said, I echo uh, Uncle Todd's statements on appreciation and thankfulness for your listenership for going on this voyage with us uh, through the stars, across the planets as we delved into Season 3 of Picard. Do check it out if you haven't. Uh, But as we like to close up things here on the range and shut her down for another week, uh, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another, and, well... For no other reason than there are only four lights. Would you please hit the switch on the way out? I think you've had about enough.
1: Well, I I think you're wrong, you increasingly attractive looking woman. You know, you're you're really pretty. Oh, stop. No, I'm I'm serious. You could you could be in magazines. You you could. You can and not just like jugs or or creamsicle. Call me? She won't call. Over the planets, through the galaxy, and up the tailpipe of a Borg cube. Seen, felt, smelt, and dealt. Poked and stoked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I should have something else to throw in there, but I got nothing at this point.
1: (laughs) You really shouldn't. You really shouldn't.
0: Now get the hell out of here!